Hi, I'm Brandon Briscoe, and welcome to another episode of The Postscript, Living Faith Bible Institute's weekly podcast and YouTube series where we interview pastors and professors from the Bible Institute and across the Living Faith Fellowship on a myriad of topics from ministry to theology. Uh, and this week, I have the privilege of interviewing Pastor Mark Trotter, uh, pastor out at uh, One Baptist Church in Douglasville, Georgia, along with Billy Wood. And we're going to be having a conversation today about uh, a topic that he uh, spoke of from All Church Retreat on how to conduct ourselves in prayer according to the procession of the tabernacle, how the, the, the elements in the tabernacle and the way that it, unf it unfolds provides for us a template uh, for personal prayer in our lives. And so I'm really excited about this topic. It was a powerful series at the retreat, and I think it's going to do all of us a lot of good and be edifying. So, Pastor Mark Trotter, hey, good to see you, man. Good to see you, bro. Yeah, glad to have you back. Yeah, man. I'm glad to be here. Okay. So if you were to define this tabernacle prayer, okay, uh, how, how would you go about defining it? Would you have, if you were to describe for us exactly what you feel like it it does or provides or or whatever how would you describe it well that tabernacle it, th of course we talked about this at the retreat that there is not a uh an object in the old testament that is more weighty than that tabernacle mm. and the more you study it the more you see that this thing is an onion you peel back one layer only to find a whole different layer and the pictures the types um and so what we did in trying to use the tabernacle its features and its furnishings mm -hmm. as a pattern for prayer is just a simple practical application of incredibly layered doctrinal things that are in the tabernacle I, I would say this that you know there there's cultish mm. um groups that kind of claim they're christian but they're trying to reach back into jewishness and take jewishness and apply it to christianity mm -hmm. and it's it's dangerous okay so this is not us trying to say there's mysteries in the mm -hmm. old testament and if we could just tap into the jewish nature uh so that's why at the retreat i was making a big to-do about the fact that that old testament physical tangible tabernacle has absolutely no application for mm -hmm. us that was god's the way that he chose to meet with the nation of israel but when you look at the tabernacle if you don't see the pictures and the type i mean this is all about christ it's all about uh christian living mm -hmm. and rather than going back into the tangible and physical taking the picture and maximizing that because mm -hmm. I, I believe that as you walk through that tabernacle everything that the bible teaches in terms of our prayer life it's all represented there and so it becomes a, a way in my mind for us on a daily basis to meet with god i mm -hmm. mean we, we part of christianity what church are you in that is a evangelical church that's at least attempting to win people to Christ and help them in a relationship. What church isn't talking about the importance of you having a daily time where you meet with God? And so uh, the beauty of the tabernacle is, uh, on, I think it's on five different occasions, It's God says, and there I will meet with thee. Mm. And so if it's a picture of Christ and and this is the place of meeting, mm -hmm. then I, it would stand to reason that all of these things, if we can glean from the typology in the pictures, then it can help us to have a meaningful time that we spend meeting with God. Right. So we can we can apply it principally 
to our walk with Christ. And in each of those elements, they, they become um, aspects of our own personal yes, walk Yes, and Lord. reminders yeah. of the things that are critical to a believer's prayer life. And so I, I, that's the way that I view this thing is simple reminders. And, and when it becomes, I've got to do this, sure. or that this is some hidden meaning or something like that, then it starts getting a little spooky to me. And right. so this is simply taking New Testament truth, seeing how God pictured it, and just letting it serve as a reminder of what we have been called to do i believe on a daily basis yeah well it's powerful and we're going to we're going to actually walk through each of these elements uh, here in a moment but before we do i want to i want to ask you how did you come to a place where you were studying and, and focusing on this because i know that what you communicated to me was that it's been months really of looking and, and obsessing over this study um, that unfortunately you, you only had four messages to preach. And I think it could have been 10 messages easily, but uh, we had four, four sessions together where you presented this. How did you get to a place where you were really focusing on this? And was there something that the Lord was trying to teach you specifically that led you to this place? Well, you know, years ago uh, in preaching and I, I tried to go back in my notes and find when did I do this? But somewhere probably 20 years ago, mm -hmm. uh, I stumbled on to this idea of the tabernacle. And in about a 10-minute segment in a message, talked about that. Mm -hmm. And from time to time in my, my journey, I would, you know, to bring freshness to my prayers, I, I would go back to that. But I, you know, just in recent months, I, I, I've, and in talking with people uh, for years in the Christian life, I, I don't think a lot of them know how to have a meaningful meeting mm -hmm. with with God. And so I thought, you know what, man, maybe, maybe if we, if I just gave more time to this, maybe. It could help me at this stage of the game in my own life to to really dig into this thing and get it to where it's practical and I can, uh, you know, uh, now I feel like I, I could pray and hit the components of prayer in about seven minutes mm -hmm. or I could do it in 70 minutes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, and so uh, so it comes down to. You know, in the same way that we schedule meetings with people, I had an early meeting with you the other day. Mm -hmm. And so when I went to bed, I was thinking, okay, so I'm meeting with Brandon in the morning. So I've got to do this and this and this. And uh, so I'm going to need to wake up at this time in order to be at that meeting. Mm -hmm. I, I think I, I think God's worthy of setting a meeting with every day. And so before we go to bed... And before we schedule a meeting on top of him, yeah, we schedule a meeting with God, and yeah. and yet finding a way to make that a significant time, and not just tipping our hat, and mm. you know removing my guilt trip of I know I'm supposed to pray, so let me let me get rid of my guilt trip and pray enough to you know yeah it, it, it's 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 so not that right, and I think there's a lot of misnomers about prayer uh, because I think. Not very many people have had good models of what prayer looks like, maybe in their ministry life or just among the people that they've ministered with. It's not a high priority. Getting stuff done is a high priority, right? Yeah. But a lot of times, um, you know, you mentioned this at the retreat, is that a lot of us are really good at making requests of God, um, that whole genie approach. Mm -hmm. uh, but not very many of us are good with just knowing what it means to genuinely be with God, prepare ourselves in prayer, um, set our, our flesh aside, uh, make confession. These are things that we're not actually very, very good at because we're not very practiced in it. And maybe we don't actually know the principles of prayer. And that's what this kind of provides us with. Yes, and and that is that is it in a nutshell. That is, this is just providing 
a a way to be reminded of significant New Testament truth mm-hmm. that uh, needs to get incorporated, I believe, into our daily conversation with, with God. I, I mentioned at the retreat that I think most believers are a whole lot better at allowing God to speak to them than they are knowing how to speak to God. Mm-hmm. And so it, 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 this is just a way to find uh, a way to get all those New Testament truths into something that uh, is practical and yeah. is beautiful because it's God's illustration right. of meeting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's talk about it. So let's imagine um, this is this is kind of the way you present it to us. When you were preaching it, you were physically walking through what that what the tabernacle looked like. And so um, you would say this is to the left or this is to the right. And I would really love it if you use that kind of vivid approach uh, to expressing to our listeners how this might work and how this how this looks. So here we are. We're we're at the gate of the tabernacle. Please walk us through what that that first step and that first approach to prayer might look like. Okay, and, and so we're 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 coming realizing that this tabernacle is representative of the presence of God. Mm-hmm. The presence of God is in that tabernacle, and so on a daily basis, what we're going to be seeking to do is come into God's presence. But there's only one entrance mm-hmm. to the tabernacle, and it is through the specific gates that were made of specific materials that are all teaching all kinds of mm. beautiful things that we can't get into. Right. I couldn't even get into it there. But there is one way into that gate. And in the same way, there, Jesus said, I am the way. Mm-hmm. There's one way into the presence of God. And yeah. so even in our salvation is coming through that gate. Yeah, he's, where he's re- the door. Yes. Yeah. And so we we come in through the the gate and when we come into the gate we enter into what is called the court or a courtyard okay and that court goes around the tabernacle proper is is further on inside the curtains around this thing but we come into the the court and so here's here's the simple way that god I think is trying to allude to the fact that we could use the tabernacle as a, a template for prayer. Psalm 100 and verse 4 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving mm-hmm. and into his courts with praise. Okay, he's talking about the tabernacle for crying out loud. Yeah. That, that's, and, and so. What we're gonna do in prayer is from the very beginning, we're gonna we're gonna take Psalm one hundred and verse four and say that as we come through the gates, which provides entrance into the court, this is the place of thanksgiving and praising. Mm-hmm. And so before we're, as you just mentioned, before we're ever petitioning God or requesting anything from God, and the, the beautiful thing is there is a place in the tabernacle for that. It's mm-hmm. just not the beginning. Right. We we enter with thanksgiving in our heart, an attitude of gratitude that gets expressed from our lips in thanksgiving and in praise. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, again, I, I can't preach all of that but sure. that is the beginning place of prayer and so you know we just begin to thank god for everything that we can think to thank him for and the way that it works in my brain is i want to thank him for everything that i can think of that if it were removed would change my life mm-hmm. and and there's quite a few things there. Yeah. And so I start with God himself, the relationship with God, my wife, my kids, their spouses, my grandkids, my job, my vehicle, my home, yeah. the food that we're going to eat today, the relationships that I have with people that build into my life. And I, I, I'm thankful for all of that. And if I lost any of those things that I just mentioned, my life would change yeah. today. Yeah. And I don't want to get to the point 
to where my health. So you know, I, I, yeah. I'm not, I don't want to, no. but I, you know, my wife and I had COVID back in, in March and I've, that was part of how I got to the place of wanting to yeah, maximize about this that. Yeah. because I, I, I couldn't really remember the last time that I thanked God for my health. And I, I told my wife, I don't ever want there to be another day of my life to where I don't thank him for mm. my health. Because once you lose it, man, your life changes. And, mm. and so, okay, so coming into the gates and the courts is all about expressing thanksgiving and praising to the Lord. Yeah, and I think even as a church, COVID is an interesting thing. I know it personally affected your life and your and your, phys- sure. your physical life, but also for the church in general, the way COVID has impacted us, it's, it's touched on a lot of things that we took for granted in terms of thankfulness. Yes. It's changed the way a lot of people have, have, have had to approach church, uh, family, friends. I mean, it's, it has impacted everything. And I think it's really important for us to say, man, God, thank you for these things that so often I take for granted. Um, we need you. I also think it's really important to note that the courtyard is the biggest part of the tabernacle. I think that's pretty interesting too. Yes, which maybe points to the necessity of of thanks in terms of the the amount of the quantity of pra- uh, praise and thankfulness that we bring yeah, to God. Yeah, that's that's great. I wish I would have said that. <laughs> well, so the next thing is is the brazen altar. So we've we've you know, and, and if we imagine for a second, I'm tr- I'm trying to bring myself back to that place. But if I'm praying to the Lord and I'm coming to Him with thankfulness, and I've lifted all these things, God, You've been so good to me in this way and that way. These spiritual things, these physical things, these emotional things, these these intellectual things, these things You provided, you know, pastors and teachers and friends and all. So then, and then as I as I I finish that season, I'm approaching the brazen altar. Now you tell us tell us about that. Yeah, so we come through those gates. We're in the court, and right in front of us is where the sacrifice would be made. Okay, so the people would bring the sacrifice. They would bring it to the priest at mm-hmm. that point, mm-hmm. and the priest would offer that sacrifice as a burnt offering to the Lord. And so, obviously. We're not going back to the the brazen altar. We're, right. What is that picturing? Well, the way that we have entered into his presence, yes, Christ is the door. He's the way. But without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. And mm-hmm. those lambs that were offered could never take away sin. We learned that from the book of Hebrews. So this mm-hmm. is picturing the sacrifice of Christ. And so I, the way that I view this in prayer is I want my mind to be riveted about the fact that it wasn't Brandon Briscoe's sin that nailed him to that tree. It was mine. And mm-hmm. I take personal responsibility there that if I were the only one that had sinned, Jesus would have died for me, and it would have looked exactly the way that the Gospel of John describes that whole thing. It would all have happened just like that because of my sin. And so I'm brought back to the sacrifice of Christ, but as soon as I'm brought to that sacrifice, I'm reminded at the brazen altar of his call on my life to present my body a living sacrifice Mm -hmm. where I yield my members, the members of my body as a sacrifice. And and so I I refer to this. Okay, so we we come to the gate and into the court. And so that this is the place of thanksgiving and praising. The brazen altar is the place of yielding and presenting. Mm -hmm. And so this is the place where Christ's cross becomes my cross and the instrument of death for Christ that brought me life now becomes the instrument of my mm-hmm. death to bring right. him life. Right. And so that's what takes place in our prayer life at the brazen altar. It's the yielding and presenting. And and man, you, you painted such a vivid picture of all of the ways in which Christ physically endured pain on the way to the cross. I mean, 
<clears throat> all of the ways in which he suffered humiliation and physical pain and suffering, and it touched on every part of his body, right? Yes. And uh, and 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 you painted this picture for us of how we are we too are supposed to give our feet to the Lord. Lord, my feet don't belong to me. Uh, cause me to go where you would have me to go. My my hands they don't belong to me. Cause them to do the work of your will and not my own, that, that they wouldn't be consumed upon my own flesh, my own lust. And, and here's my mind and here's my mouth. And my mouth is so dangerous when it's left to my devices. And God, take my mouth, my ears. And you, and you paint, and I think that that's really important in our prayer life because, um, I think it, it, it points to the intentionality that comes with dying. It has to be intentional. You don't die by accident. You don't mortify the flesh. By, by as a matter of accident, it's a very purposeful thing to do. Absolutely. And I don't know how you yield your members, and I don't know how you present your body a living sacrifice other than prayer. I mean, mm. how do you do that? And it sure sounds to me in Romans chapter 6 and verse 13, when he's talking about yielding our members that he's actually talking about us spending time talking about the members of this body, yeah. and you know, and, and so man, you just start working, and I, you know, I view it as I am crucified with Christ, and so I'm going to present my feet and my legs because they represent my walk. Mm. I'm going to present and I'm going to yield my my back my torso, my arms, my hands, because all of these things represent my work. Yeah. And it's not about me working for God. It's God working in and through me. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to bow my head to receive the crown of thorns because I will my neck. I'm going to yield my neck. I don't want to mm -hmm. be a stiff neck right. generation. Right. And so I'm yielding my neck, presenting my neck and submitting my will and then my mouth and my ears and this is representative of my words and and again i i put it in an outline where i can remember these these aspects of that because we've gone from our walk our work the will our words mm -hmm. what i speak what i'm hearing my eyes i'm presenting them and yielding them those that represents my wants mm -hmm. and then my brain which represents my way, mm -hmm. my dreams, my goals, my aspirations, the direction of my life. It's all happening from here. And right. I'm, I'm like, God, I want to yield all of that. And so, again, the brazen altar is the place of yielding and presenting. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so, man, there's, there's so many things that we could talk about, but... Let's move on yeah. to the brazen labor. Now, I think it's really interesting that these two objects are both made of brass. You know, I think God is is connecting these things together, and they and they're both interrelated with each other. And so, we're going from the brazen altar to the brazen labor, uh, and this is the place of cleansing. Uh, could you could you talk to us a little bit about the brazen labor? Okay, so our sin was dealt with on the cross, okay, mm -hmm. represented in that brazen altar. And so, you know, what, what's this, what is this water basin mm -hmm. about? And that's really what the, the brazen laver was. It was, uh, it was made of brass, but it was also, it, it, when the children of Israel left Egypt, they, uh, they took some things from Egypt with them, and part of it was, was glass, mirrors. Mm -hmm. And part of the construction of that brazen labor was mirror. And, of course, we understand that the Word of God mirrors back to us. And, of course, that water in the water basin that priest would come, and before he went into the Holy of Holies, there was a ceremonial washing that took place where he would wash his hands and his feet. But as he would look over into that labor, he would see himself. Yeah. Okay. And so the practical aspect of this in prayer is we are coming to the brazen labor because this is the place of washing and cleansing. The, the Bible talks in Ephesians 5.26 about uh, the washing of water by the word. And it says in 2 Corinthians 
that we are to cleanse ourselves of all filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So we, our sins were washed in the blood of Christ at the brazen altar, if you will. Mm-hmm. They were cleansed there. So why am I washing and cleansing here? Right. Well, the brazen altar, in, in, in my understanding of this, would represent for us our position in Christ, that he forgave us our sins, past, present, and future. It's all based on his blood, his death, his burial, his resurrection. But as I was taking personal ownership for my sin, crucifying Christ, I get to the brazen altar, and I've got to face the reality that a lot of the sin that I was thanking God that he paid for, it's sin that I want to go back to, and Mm -hmm. sometimes I do. And so this becomes the place of dealing with my personal sin and dealing with matters of personal holiness, Mm -hmm. and I'm allowing the Word of God to wash me and sanctify me and purify me, and I'm wanting to cleanse myself. And so I I feel like what what happens here, if we're really going to deal with our sin, that we've got to get to the place to where we see our sin the way that God sees it. We've got to say about our sin what God says about it, Mm -hmm. and we've got to do with our sin what God says to do about it. And of course, we went into detail on those things, but that's what's happening here is I'm dealing with the sin which doth so easily beset me. I've got my issues, you've got yours, and they're probably different, but this is the place where I am seeking to cleanse myself of that and perfect Mm -hmm. holiness in the fear of God. And so that is what happens in prayer at the brazen laver. Yeah, and and one of the things you and I talked about previously was this idea that 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 was a crucial part for the priest because if they if they didn't do the work of washing, there was a consequence for that. Yes, there was no proceeding beyond that place. Uh, there was no going into to the holy place if you hadn't done the work of washing, and I think it speaks a lot to the fact that, that when we walk with the Lord, the the blessings can't go much further. Your lack of confession of sin and your lack of dealing with the day-to-day yuck of your life, if you don't take care of that, then you don't get to experience the blessings that go that go beyond that. Amen. Yeah, yeah we, we've got to wash our feet. You know, mm-hmm. we don't, we're not going back and getting saved again. No. But man, the dirt that gets on our feet, we come to the brazen labor and say, oh, God, I don't want to walk into that holy place with dirt right. on my feet. Right. And and you remember how David talked about it. He talked about, you know, coming into the Lord's presence with clean hands. Yeah. And again, it's that it's the personal aspect of of holiness. Positionally, I'm holy right. at the brazen altar. Right. Practically, I I, I better deal with some sure. junk in my life. Man. So good. So let's keep walking. Yeah. So we've washed, and uh, we stand clean. We've we've let go of of our personal sins before the Lord. And now we're entering into the holy place, right? And uh, and we see some things there. We we see to our left the candlestick, to our right the showbread. Now these there's so much to say about these two elements. And so do your best with what we've got. Uh, talk to, to us about these two counterbalancing things and, and their relationship to us in prayer. Yeah, and and let me just say this briefly because I feel like this is. This is a big thing. Okay, so we're coming into the holy place. And as you mentioned, there's there's actually three items that are mm-hmm. in there. Mm-hmm. As you mentioned, the, the golden candlestick to our left, the table of showbread to our right. But beyond, on the other side, uh, moving further into that tabernacle, right before the veil, 
that separates the holy place from the holy of holies is the altar of incense. Right. So in the holy place, there's three things. Okay, so the golden candlestick, and I'll talk about this in just a second, Mm -hmm. but it represents the Holy Spirit. The table of showbread represents the word, and the altar of incense represents prayer. And so just understanding what is in the holy place as we are coming in prayer into that holy place i'm recognizing that there are three things that come together to be the resources that god has given to us so that our lives become a holy place yeah and I'm not going to be experiencing personal holiness or perfecting holiness without the Spirit of God, the Word of God, and prayer to God. And so all of that is in that holy place and is intended to make me a holy place. Mm -hmm. But, okay, so we come over to the golden candlestick, and as the Scripture says in the book of Exodus, that golden candlestick was of one piece of gold that was beaten and the way that that thing found its expression it was one candlestick that had seven branches Mm -hmm. and we know this is a picture of the holy spirit because we come to the book of revelation and in the true tabernacle in heaven he talks about seven lamps of fire that burn before the throne and it says, which are which are, are the spirits of God, right. the seven spirits of God. And we go, seven spirits? you got to be right. kidding me. What's up with that? There, Ephesians 4, 4 says there's one spirit. Mm-hmm. But that one spirit is manifest in seven ways that are defined for us in uh, Isaiah chapter mm-hmm. 11 and verse 2. And so, but the golden candlestick, since it does picture the spirit, well, when we talk about the Christian life, man, the Spirit of God plays such a role in this. And when it comes to a daily basis, what what are we looking for the Spirit of God to do? Mm-hmm. Well, we, we need Him to fill us. and But if He's going to fill us, we might need to empty ourselves of ourselves. The, the way that uh, Paul sometimes talks about it is putting off mm-hmm. the old man. It's a way of just emptying out all of the junk of my life so that the Spirit of God that lives in me can fill me. So yeah. the golden candlestick in prayer becomes the place of emptying ourselves before the Spirit of God and seeking to be filled with the Spirit of God. Because as we are filled with the Spirit, we walk in the Spirit. As we walk in the Spirit, we manifest the fruit of the Spirit. And and so there's this whole aspect of getting to the place to where the Spirit of God is permeating us, the filling, the walking, the manifesting of the fruit. Another aspect that the Spirit of God does for us is he provides illumination. Mm-hmm. Okay, the only light in that room is the coming from the golden candlestick. And we wouldn't be able to see the truth of the Word of God over on that show, table of showbread yeah. unless the Spirit is illuminating that. Right. Yeah. And so I'm coming before the, the Lord in prayer and just saying, Lord, I want to be filled today, and I want to walk, and I want to manifest your fruit. And yet, Lord, man, when I go to the Word, I know I need the illumination of the Spirit. And yeah. so I'm submitting myself here mm-hmm. and just saying, I, I need you. And so then we walk across the room, the holy place, to the table of showbread. And that table of showbread, Jesus said, the man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And so he's the one that makes the connection that the word is bread. And Mm -hmm. you look at some of the greats, Jeremiah, thy words were found and I did eat them. And Job, man, I've desired your word more than my necessary food. And every Sabbath day, the the priest would actually eat the bread on that table, which was laid out in two rows of six, Mm 
representing the word, which is 66 books of the Bible yeah, that come that's together. No, that's no coincidence. I don't think so. You know, I know there was 12 tribes in Israel, and so there's that part sure. of that. But this is the table of showbread. This is where we go to talk to the Lord about our daily bread of the word of God. And so I, I see this place as the, the, the place of nourishing and equipping. Uh, some people have asked me since the retreat. So is that when we should uh, stop and just go to the word right there and you know hey do it any way you want to this is this is not a legalistic trip there's no right. magic in, sure. in any of it we're sure. just using the pictures to remind us of the new testament truth and so uh paul writes to timothy and he talks about being nourished up in the words of faith and good doctrine and so i see this as a place to where in prayer i'm coming and saying lord i'm, I'm going to be going to your word here in just a little bit and i know i need the illumination of the spirit but i want it to nourish me yeah. those words i want to eat them today mm -hmm. and let them become a part of who i am and i want you to equip me with your word and so lord i humble myself before the word of god today and so I, I use that not as the time because there's still places where I want to go in prayer before I get to the word. Sure. Okay. So then we, we go from there, from the table of showbread. We hang a, a left and look over at this altar of incense. And so when we came to the gate, we came with thanksgiving and we came with praising. And as you you mentioned typically we think about all of our requests that's mm -hmm. what prayer is and so we just hop in there sure. we don't say good morning we don't say boo we just start our little grocery list of everything we want him to do and praise god he does give us a place to where we can go and whatever it is that is burdening us we go and we cast our care upon him mm -hmm. and we go and we make our request known to him and so i see the altar of incense as the place of casting mm -hmm. and the place of requesting mm -hmm. and this is the time to where i'm just talking to the lord about everything that's going on in my world yeah. but man yeah. i yeah you know i mean if you're actually using this man you're way deep into your prayers before you're ever getting the me focus right and all of these other things are designed in, in my mind to deal with the me yeah i think it's really fascinating too that you have to you have to come and encounter the holy spirit and the will of god before you can you can properly make supplication and intercession before the lord they're crucial and they're interrelated to one another and, and, it, and it's completely unsatisfactory to god if you're not in his will and you're not full of the holy spirit and yet you're 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 making supplication and intercession or or just consuming your prayers upon upon your flesh right? yes yeah yes and and those prayers don't get answered no. according to the book of james mm -hmm. Uh, we consume them upon our own lust. It's about me and yeah. what I'm wanting the God of the universe to do, you know. And but He gives us the place to cast it all, and and, and it, the altar of incense. The way that we get there in in prayer is David said in Psalm one forty one and verse two, "Let my prayers be as incense." Yeah. Okay, and then we go to the book of Revelation, and we see in the true tabernacle that those prayers have been going into a golden censer. The golden censer is what's on top of the altar of incense. Mm -hmm. It's what the high priest, when he goes into the Holy of Holies, he carries that golden censer in with him sure. into that place. And so this is the place of, of prayer. Yeah. This is the place of casting and requesting. And, and I think it's really fascinating too. And, and when I was studying, I, I realized that the embers that lit that censer came from the brazen altar. Amen. They're carried in from Christ. Our ability to make requests, it goes all the way back to that sacrifice that's been made. And we carry that through the holy place into our requests and then from there 
the 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 residue of Christ's sacrifice makes its way into the holy place. That the only way we can we can be acceptable in the sight of God the Father, the only way we have access to Him, is through what happened at that brazen altar through Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yes. So that's so, beautiful, so, man. So take us. Okay. So we've got the censer, and it's that you know it's that moment, it's that opportunity for us to go into the mercy seat before the Father. Tell us about that in prayer. What does that look like? Okay, so there was a veil that separated the holy place. And again, right up against that curtain, right against that veil was the altar of incense. And so we're going to make our way in prayer. Now, in the Old Testament, only the high priest could go in there Mm -hmm. and only once a year. And he was doing it to atone for his own sin and to atone for the the sins of the nation of Israel. But our great high priest, according to what the book of Hebrews says, is, man, he has gone in and with one sacrifice has made access to the Father by a new and living way. Mm -hmm. And so now this place... Where and that Ark of the Covenant was a box that represented the presence of God. Okay, we we've talked about the tabernacle being representative of the presence of God, but the presence of God is represented in that box. It actually, his presence actually resided there. He needed. Yes. He, need, he wanted a place to go to hang. Yes, yeah. and that was the holy of holies yeah. is the name of this place. Right. And, and so the the box is the Ark of the Covenant, but the box has a lid, and the lid is the mercy seat. Mm-hmm. And this was actually the place where that high priest would commune with God from that mercy seat. The word propitiation in the New Testament is mercy seat. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's this beautiful uh, thing that we're doing when we're coming into the very presence of the Lord. And this is the place in prayer of worshiping and fellowshipping. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you you go through all the the thanking, the the praising, the yielding, the presenting, the washing, the cleansing, the emptying, the filling, the nourishing, the equipping, the casting, the requesting. And by this point, man, in prayer, we should be at a place to where we are just overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And the overwhelmed part is what brings us into his presence and we sit at his feet and we adore him and we worship him. And this is a time where, and I didn't really talk much about that, but uh, this is the the place where we sing to the Lord. Mm-hmm. If the only time we sing to the Lord is when we meet on Sundays, shame on us. Shame on us. God help us, because singing pleases the Lord, and He inhabits the praises of His people. And so, however we worship yeah we worship in prayer we worship in singing and we're here and this is a time of just beholding the beauty of the lord Mm -hmm. as david talked about yeah and and so that's the quick version Yeah, that is the quick version because i know there's so (laughs) much to say about it um so we've gotten to a place here where there's there's rest i love I love that that at the end of, of of all of the work of prayer because it is it's a spiritual discipline right at the very end of it you find a place of rest and and, and come Amen. and if and so many people don't ever get to that point in their prayer you know a lot of people struggle they think I could never pray for an hour or two hours I could never do it it's because you never you never came in into that moment, you know, you know, the zone, the place of rest with the Lord. You've never been, you never worked your way to the place of yoking yourself to the Lord and finding that place of rest. And once you hit that place, boy, you could spend an eternity there. And in fact, 
That's what eternity. <laughs> exactly. That's what eternity uh, looks yes. like, right? So you better be ready. For, yeah, ready we're for going that. to the true tabernacle. Yeah. Uh, all of this is just the picture mm. of something that is absolutely glorious in the heavens. And so, yeah, it's, sometimes we get it reversed. We think that the tabernacle is the real and that is the picture, and it's exactly the opposite. Mm -hmm. There's a true tabernacle. And I, I, I love the fact in the book of Revelation where it talks about that altar of incense and all, all of that. But there is no Ark of the Covenant no. there because God is on the throne. The mm -hmm. Ark was just the picture. Mm -hmm. And so all of the whole tabernacle, just pointing us to Christ, pointing us to our relationship with Christ. Yeah. And so, again, I, I, for all of our listeners, I want to just say that this cannot be ritualistic. It cannot be legalistic. It can't be us trying to tap into some secret of the the tabernacle no it, it's a practical right. way on a yeah. daily basis to have a significant meeting with god yeah you know your prayer closet doesn't look like the tabernacle you, you haven't created all the little elements <laughs> no like, that, that's and, not and that would be doing. out of bounds yeah that would be out of bounds this is done in your heart as we you absolutely. come the absolute liberty and freedom and and this morning you might spend more time thanking the Lord today and 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 tomorrow maybe when you come before the Lord you recognize you just got to work on cleansing yourself. And, and, but these are components and principles of how to approach the Lord in a way that He finds favor. Now, Mark, I'm going to put you under the gun here. We've talked about this, but this is going to be the moment of announcement here uh, <laughs> that Mark, you've committed to actually putting this in book form so that we can use it as a, as a template in our lives, a place we can go back to and, and study this for ourselves. You're going to actually be working on a book that deals with tabernacle prayer. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I did not come to the retreat four days, five days ago. I, I did not come with that intention, but having studied it all and preached through all of it and finding the the beauty the practicality of all of it i i as i said earlier i i feel like god's people we have struggled in this area of prayer mm -hmm. and in the sometimes the people who are spending time in prayer it probably sounds a lot the same every day and this is a way to just open up everything that god talks to us about in the new testament and just it reminds us and and like you said man if you if you understood each of these places and what they could represent in prayer man you could pray for 50 minutes and without even a thought it's mm. not like i gotta pray a little longer <laughs> it, it no man and 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 yet some days you're not going to have 50 minutes right right but it does remind us of some of those daily things that we don't want to get uh 20 years down the road and we haven't talked about yielding our members or presenting our body or washing ourselves with the water of the word, yielding or, or, or emptying ourselves so we can be filled with the spirit and depending on him at the word uh, for the word of God. And, you know, wow. Yeah. No wonder we struggle right. in the Christian life. Right. We're not talking to God about the things that the Christian life is all about. Yeah, man. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of this with us and uh, and so that we can come back to this episode even and be refreshed. But also I'm looking forward to that book coming out hopefully in 2021. We'll be we'll be looking for that uh, through Living Faith Books and, and that'll be a, a great tool for all of us. So thank you, Mark, for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for asking. I, 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 I do dig talking about this. And uh, so yeah, thanks for the opportunity, bro. Yeah, absolutely. And we wanna thank you for joining us as well. If you were uh, encouraged by this and you want to learn more about it, you can go back to listen to the All Church Retreat messages 
where Mark presents this to us and teaches it a little bit more in depth than what we heard here. And so you can go to lffellowship.com and you can go down to the conference archive section of the site and you're going to find uh, all of this content uh, taught uh, to us at the All Church Retreat, but but also be looking for that book because it will be a greater, more in-depth. I mean, stuff that he didn't get to include at the retreat is going to find its way into that book. It'll be very practical. There'll be a read and response uh, for those who are going through it and studying it. There'll be illustrations that help us to understand better what Mark's talking about. And so be, be, be looking for that. We think it would be an encouragement to you. If after li- listening to all of this, you, you heard from Mark and, and you're listening to him and you're been, you've been strengthened and encouraged and you're thinking to yourself, I need to m- know more about God's word and what his call on my life is. And, and so you're thinking, how do I grow? How do I learn to study the word the way Mark's studying the word? We want to invite you to visit lfbi.org. And you can learn more about Living Faith Bible Institute there and, and, and learn how to be equipped for yourself to study God's word that it would provoke you in, in the knowledge of who he is and your ability to lead others in his word as well and, and in the Great Commission and how to live and obey him. We want to invite you to check that out. The reason we have this show is to encourage you and invite you to be a part of our fellowship as well as our Bible school. So please join us in that way, lfbi.org. Again, thank you for joining us for another episode of The Postscript. We want to invite you back next Monday, uh, where each week we are releasing more content from more pastors intended to encourage and strengthen you. Have a beautiful day. Bye. My name is Brian Bustos, and I am a Living Faith Bible Institute student. And I'm also a husband. And I'm also a father. In this stage in my life, things are definitely chaotic. I've been called by God to serve in my local church here in Kansas City. And in any given week, that may look like leading worship, or preparing for a Bible study, or even teaching a class. And this is where Living Faith Bible Institute is so important to my life. First, it gives me focus, but two, it's flexible. And so if I can't make that Saturday morning class, I can still catch it online, whether it's remotely, or even sometime later in the week, like during my lunch break. I guess in essence, I don't have to put my life on pause. Enroll for classes at lfbi.org. If you are interested in donating to LFBI to support future pastors and leaders, please visit lfbi.org slash donate.